0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to our home group. We're so glad you've joined us tonight. We're going to see who are the wise men. Should they be called wise men? Were they wise men? Were they kings? Were they magi? If they were magi, what does that word magi really mean? We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We're going to talk about the rest of the story, we're gonna fill in all the blanks so that you can really understand what took place in the amazing Christmas story. If you enjoyed that last night about Herod, it's all right here. By the way, welcome guys. Did you enjoy last night?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it a lot. Why? Well, because it was historical and I I didn't realize Herod was that bad. I knew he was bad.
0: He was a Herod.
1: He was terrible.
0: Maxime, did you enjoy last night? Yeah, he was such a hurt. I'm so thankful for all the facts you give because when we read the the gospel,
1: there are many details, but you don't really understand what was happening. And so thank you for explaining it so well. And I look forward to today's story because we all see this postcards.
0: We have it in our mind. Three lonely kings. I know what you're going to tell us is going to change our thinking. Joel, I enjoyed last night because you explained what B.C. and A.D. How do those calculations? You know, I, that was a really good question. I, I guess I knew that in theory, but I never thought about it. But when you go to AD, you count backwards. You count. You B, count BC. BC. Yeah. When you go to BC, when you go to BC, you count backwards. When you come to AD, you count forward. Yeah. So AD, one, two, three. Right. And then BC is backwards. It goes to one. One, two, three. That's the right. other direction. That's it's, right. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And if you need prayer. Just call us 1-800-742-5593 or write to us prayer at renner.org. We believe Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Amen. Amen. It says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. It's not enough just to call. You've got to call in faith. And we know how to do that.
1: And he knows how to do great and mighty
0: things. And he'll do it if we'll call in faith.
1: You know... Here, all the time you talk about Herod the Great, I was thinking,
0: he's not so great. No, he was. Jesus is the great. <laughs> I
1: was like, Jesus totally outshines him.
0: But today we're going to talk about the Magi and why did the Magi come at the birth of Jesus? Why did they come and who in the world are they? And how many were there? Here we have this little nativity scene on our set because it's pretty and because it's Christmassy. But have you guys ever noticed that when you see illustrations of the Magi, usually how many are there? Three. Three, Three. well, how do we know that there were three? How do we not know that there were 12? Well, we think there's three because there's only three gifts that's recorded. That's why people think there's three, but the Bible never tells us there were three. But let's see what we know about Magi. We've already looked at the life of King Herod. But let's go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, because this is where the Magi show up. And it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold. Oh, yeah, yeah, this word behold, the Greek word edu. Maxime, what does it mean? Look at that. Wow, amazing! There's great amazement. They came. Wow. So Matthew inserts the word behold. It's his own interjection into the text. He's telling the story. He is so amazed that magi came from the east. Though while he's recording the story, he says, wow. That's really what it means. It's a sense of amazement. But it says there came wise men from the east. What does wise men mean? Well, it's the plural form of the Greek word magos. The word magos, here's the plural magi, describes, listen careful. All right, guys, here we go. I'm going to give you a lot of history tonight. I have no choice. A group of median priests and astronomers that were strongly influenced by Daniel, who served in Babylon. And they held a very powerful political position during that era. And in fact, Magi were so powerful in the first century, especially in the East. They were more powerful than any king and they were called king makers. Mm. That is how powerful they were. Kings come, kings go, magi remained. And magi were so powerful that with one word they could install a king change of administration. With one word, they could depose a king. That is how powerful were magi. And now, these are not three lonely little kings traveling on camels by themselves. These are politicians. They're religious leaders. They're median priests, but they're more than priests. It's a caste system of an amazingly powerful group of people. And in fact, They were so powerful that in the world today, we do not have the equivalent of a Magi. We just don't have the equivalent. I've said that to have a Magi, I know this is going to sound really bizarre, but you would have to combine a a politician with a Pope and Billy Graham. I mean, just take all the most powerful characters in the world and put them all into one or two or three individuals. There's a Magi. They were the most powerful individuals in the world and they were feared because of their religious connotations, their political power, their wealth, their might, their clout. They were just feared by everybody. Once they came to Rome, I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment, Nero was terrified. Nero, he was the ruler of the Roman Empire. When he heard that Magi were coming, he rolled out the red carpet because he knew Magi with one word could change his destiny. Isn't that amazing? Now here's something else. This was not Herod's first encounter with Magi because when he first became king early on, the Magi attempted to depose him and he fought them and very strangely, he kept his position. So he had already had an encounter with Magi earlier in his career. Not a good one. Not a good one. He knew the power of Magi. He trembled at the thought of Magi. They were king makers and king killers, basically. And now they're coming across from the east to Jerusalem. Now, you know, when Denise and I grew up, we had a cantata in our Baptist churches and we sang a song that kind of went like this. We, we three kings, kings of, of Orient are Bearing gifts we travel afar Field and mountains. and mountains We don't remember the, something
1: mountains
0: Following yonder, yonder star. star And we kind of saw these three lonely kings on their camels
1: Yes, with the star
0: Riding
1: In the sky.
0: But let me tell you, kingmakers like this did not travel on camels by themselves. There would have been thousands traveling with them. These were magi. Every one of them, it was caravans, caravans. Wow. And they weren't bringing three little gifts like you see in this nativity scene. You're going to find out. In a home group in a few nights, what was the value of the gifts they brought? They had soldiers to protect the gifts. They had bodyguards to protect them. Camels and camels and camels. It was caravans headed across to the city of Jerusalem because a star had appeared that told them the world leader they were waiting for had finally been born. They weren't going to show up, just three of them by themselves with three little trinkets. This was the big event everybody had been waiting for since the time of Daniel. Oh, let's go on. But as they came into Jerusalem, Matthew 2 2 says, They came into the city saying, Mm -hmm. Where is he born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we're come to worship him. Even the word saying is so important. The Greek word legantes, it indicates ongoing activity. So just try to imagine they come riding into Jerusalem, saying, the Greek means saying and saying and saying and saying as they come through. Anybody know where this king is? Anybody, has anybody seen this king? I mean, they're asking, they're interrogating. We're looking for the one born king of the Jews. And the word king, the Greek word basile is capitalized, which is very unusual in the Greek language. This is a proclamation. They're not looking for any king. They're looking for the greatest king ever born. And these are people like announcing. These are not the wise men making these questions. These are like announcers for the wise men. Perhaps it doesn't tell us. Mm -hmm. It could have been all of them together. They were all, I mean, they were just there for one purpose. And they said, we're come to worship him. The word worship means to kiss the ground when laying prostrate in front of a superior their intention was to find this individual and they were going to lay prostrate before him, kiss the ground, worship him. But what do we know about Magi? I'm going to tell you what we know about Magi. When Daniel was taken to Babylon in about the year 600 B.C., about that year, many scholars believe, and there's no reason to really argue with this, That because of his insights to dreams and visions, he was promoted and promoted and promoted until Daniel himself became the head of this caste called Magi. Isn't that amazing? You know, when you're God's man, it doesn't matter where you are, even if you're in a corrupt system, God will make you the head and not the tail. Oh, yeah, just he'll put you above. And Daniel went all the way to the top. And he became the head of the Magi. And because he had such a notable role in Babylon, his prophecies were very revered, even Mm -hmm. among the Magi. If Daniel said it, they believed it. Daniel had such an influential role in Babylon. And his writings were not only well known, but the Median Magi considered the writings of Daniel to be sacred, and of course they were. They were sacred. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, these magi had been living on Daniel's prophecies. They were so influenced by Daniel in that pagan secular society. I think that's encouraging because if you're in a pagan job and a secular society, you can have great influence there. But even though Babylon was pagan, Daniel possessed such a godly influence that through the east that the eastern magi revered his faith they revered his prophecies and the scriptures that he wrote and that he treasured and because of his influence they believed I'm talking about the magi these powerful kingmakers they believed and they were waiting for a world leader to be born because Daniel prophesied that a world leader was coming They had been waiting since the time of Daniel. And it's very important that at the time of Jesus' birth, this is just a historical fact. All over the Roman world, all over the Eastern world, there was a general anticipation that a very notable world leader was about to be born that would change everything. I'm talking about pagan religions. Of course, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. Rome in the East, there was a general sense... That a world leader was about to be born. They were all on the edge of their seats waiting for it. Nobody knew who, nobody knew where, except for the Magi, because they had the sacred writings of Daniel. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I think that's just amazing. And as I've already told you, they were king makers. With a word. Magi could elevate a man to the position of king or depose him if they chose, and nobody would become a king in the Eastern world without the endorsement of magi. So kings were very respectful of magi. Kings were terrified of magi. Essentially, they were financially rich politicians and spiritual leaders devoted to interpreting dreams and studying the constellations. And as I've already said, in the world today, we don't have anybody to compare to a Magi. We just don't have one individual that strong. That's how powerful they were. And as I've said, when they traveled, they usually traveled in caravans. Now, I mentioned Nero. Let me read to you what I have in my notes. History reveals that at one time, Magi came to Rome to see Nero. Hmm. And their arrival terrified him because he knew the power and influence they possessed. They could install a king or depose a king with a word. So consequently, Nero rolled out the red carpet for the Magi and treated them like the royalty they were. To be clear, this is the same ruthless Nero who was afraid of no one and killed anyone he wished. But the same Nero was terrified of the Magi. Mm. Mm. Isn't that amazing? And that explains why Herod reacted the way he did when the Magi showed up in Jerusalem. Why in the world were they here? What are they doing here? It would have terrified him.
1: You know, Rick, you're describing the Magi as the most... most powerful people in the world at that time. Well, God was gonna bring worshipers to his son.
0: And he brought the world's most
1: powerful. He brought power. the world's most
0: powerful. Isn't that wonderful? Maxime, do you have any comments? Sir, I'm enjoying listening to you. You are? Okay. Hey, are you enjoying this? Would you please get online and comment? I wanna hear what you think about what we're sharing tonight. And remember, you can get the download Christmas, the rest of the story, it's free. Just go to our website. But let's continue about what we know about Magi. Is that okay? Okay, these kingmakers were acknowledging that Jesus was the world leader they had been waiting for. And when they came to Jerusalem because of the influence of Daniel, they knew they were not just coming to see a low-level king. They use a capital word, B, Basile in Greek, capital K. They were coming to see the king of kings, the greatest world leader that had ever been born. And because of Daniel's prophecies and what they saw in the constellations. Just imagine this world leader was so magnificent that the constellations declared his birth. They had never seen anything like this. This was the one they were waiting for. And because of the figuring of dates based on what Daniel wrote and what other scriptures said, they they knew generally, they had an anticipation that it was time for the King of Kings to be born. And that is about the time that the star appeared that announced his birth. And the star appeared at the moment that Jesus was born. Now, how many wise men were there? Well, some early Christian writers say that there were three. Others say there were 12. Some church writers even give us their names. For example, they say one was named Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. That may be true. May not be true. We don't know. But that's what one early writer said. And that doesn't mean that there were just three. There could have been more. But there are some things we know about Magi, which I've already shared with you but we know for sure that when they traveled, regardless of how many there were, there was a huge caravan traveling with each of them. And if you put all three of these caravans together, there weren't just hundreds, there were thousands of people traveling. This was a big, big deal. And they were traveling with gifts, treasures, soldiers to protect the gifts. They were traveling with bodyguards, assistants, And they were coming with clothes that they would wear when they finally found this king. This was going to be an unforgettable historical event. (laughs) And when these Magi arrived in Jerusalem, what kind of a noise do you think this would have created? It would have created a noise loud enough to make Herod the Great very concerned. I mean, it was quite a stir. It's quite a story. I'm reading you directly from my notes. Everyone, including Herod, heard they were approaching the city. Well, of course, thousands of people are headed in your direction, and it's magi. You're gonna somebody's gonna tell you magi are coming. I mean, Herod was like totally set off by this. And the Bible tells us in Matthew two verse three. Let's look at it. And when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. <laughs> and all Jerusalem with him. Well, now you know why he's troubled. Herod was upset because they were looking for one born king of the Jews, capital B in Greek, Basileia, capital K is what that means. They weren't just looking for a low level king. They were looking for the one born king of the Jews. And remember what we saw last night, Herod was paranoid about anybody trying to take his throne And when he heard that a Messiah had come, what did Herod start doing? He started killing people in Jerusalem. So he was upset because Magi were coming. He knew with a single word they could depose him. He had already had an event with him earlier in his career. All of Jerusalem was upset. Ay, 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 another Messiah. He's going to start killing people again. The whole city was just thrown into an uproar at the news of these magi and what they were saying that one had been born the king of the Jews. Okay, how about the star? What was the star? Well, let me guess. Can I guess? Sure. It was an angel. Okay. How many of you say it was an angel?
1: I've never thought of it being an angel. Easily.
0: Easily. Easily. Well, it doesn't seem to me it could have been anything natural because they followed it. But the Bible does say it was a...
1: I always thought it was a star.
0: It was a star. Well, what do we know historically, scientifically, of what was going on in the constellations at that time? Well, I'll just tell you that historically, many have tried to say this was a constellation of Jupiter and Saturn that occurred in the year 7 BC. Even the great astronomer Kepler tried to say that's what it was. And history does reveal that in the year 7 B.C. there was a constellation of Jupiter and Saturn that would have been quite spectacular. And the combination of those two together would have created the effect of a star. And the two of those joined together would have been the announcement <laughs> of a king's birth. Well, I'm not telling you that's what it was. I'm just telling you what some people say.
1: But he is the God of the heavens. He's true. He's creating universes right now as we speak. So to bring constellations together to announce the birth of, of Jesus, that would be nothing.
0: But I'll tell you something interesting. If that's what it was, I'm not saying that it was because they were able to follow the star and it seems to me it's, it had movement. But there really was a star that appeared and it was the constellation of Jupiter and Saturn in the year seven BC. Now here's what's interesting. What you believe about the news depends on where you are, from what side of the world you hear it. Now, we understand this because we live in Russia. And when we listen to the news, and we listen to both Western news and we listen to Russian news, and it's interesting, they all tell the same story very differently. It's just amazing to me. When I listen to Russian news, they tell it one way. When it's reported in Western news, they report the same story totally from a different viewpoint. And I often wonder, how can they report the same story so differently? Well, here's an example. When that star appeared in the year seven, if it was the, if it was the constellation of Jupiter and Saturn, which alerted the magi that the world leader had been born, the same star in Rome was believed to be the the constellation's proof that Octavian, who was Caesar, he was the emperor at the time, that he was God in the flesh. He said, that's the proof that I'm God in the flesh. In the East, they said, that's the proof that God has just been born. It just depends on where you are what you hear and what you believe. I just think that's interesting. Well, I think the way the Magi interpreted it is much better. Of course, they were right. We know, we know who Octavian was not. He was not God in the flesh. But I'm not saying that it was this constellation. I'm just telling you there is some people who believe that. I'm not going to tell you what it was because I don't know what the star was. But these Magi were religious priests and they believed that whatever this was that appeared in the heavens was so magnificent that it was the proof that the long-awaited world leader that Daniel had told them about had finally been born in Judea. And based on prophecies which were given by Micah, by Daniel, and even Balaam, Hmm. they began the process of moving westward to Judea And it took them two years to get there. It took them two years to get there. He said, well, now, wait a minute. It wouldn't take two years to make that journey. No, but it would take two years to prepare the gifts. They weren't just coming to see a low-level king. This was the world leader they had been waiting for. They put two years of preparation into this along with their journey. And when they finally showed up, the baby was about two years old. I'm going to show this to you in one of our following home groups. But guys, we're out of time. Have you enjoyed this tonight? Yes, yeah, so much fun. Yeah? Let's come back tomorrow night. Absolutely. That's a yeah. good idea. And let's continue in Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be so good tomorrow night. I can hardly wait. But hey, if you need prayer, let us know how to pray for you. Just call us, 1-800-742-5593. Or you can write us at prayer at renner.org. And remember, Psalm 48 declares that you can lay down in peace and sleep and the Lord will keep you. So sleep good tonight and we'll see you tomorrow, bye-bye. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner and I have a big announcement, so pay attention. Starting in January, home group will only be Saturday nights. We've decided to really focus on Saturday nights. We wanna bring you the very best, but we want you to join us. Every other night of the week, we're going to replay our regular daily TV program, except Sunday night. And Sunday night, we're going to have what's called Teaching of the Month. It's gonna really be good. But Home Group will be Saturday night. So please write that down and don't forget, Home Group is moving to once a week on Saturday nights and we'll be waiting for you right here. If you enjoy that teaching, please subscribe, like and comment so more people can see it.